Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He is Ronnie Stoffel back because Brett Berry, well, he's not here today. And Ronnie, one of the OGs of Wildcat Radio, back on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Ronnie, it's good to see you, buddy. Good to have you. Adam, good to see you, man. It's been a while. Um, yeah, I know we're, we're dog days of summer here, so this is... Uh, <laughs> Some baseball, you know, the softball season just wrapped up. I know we're going to talk about that and obviously um, Coach Candrea's retirement and everything. But, you know, baseball's still going. So, yeah, there's some stuff to talk about. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, thanks for having me. And best of luck to Brett, you know, playing the the Meet the Fockers bit. That's uh, (laughs) – I don't don't envy him right now. Say, we're recording on Tuesday the 8th. By the time you listen to this, Brett may still be getting married. You know, we we don't know. (laughs) By the time you listen, that information will probably be known. But – Right, I don't want you to think that we're just pulling you because it's a dog days of summer. Like we, you're at the top of the list of the bag of tricks we bring out on Wildcat Radio 2.0. You know, you're not the in case of emergency break glass and get Ronnie on the show. You know, we want to have you on with or without Brett, in part because there is so much news, just big picture news with Arizona athletics. You know, it's obviously there's softball, there's baseball. We're going to start with softball. Mike Candrea, the the rumor was there all weekend on ESPN. <laughs> like it was almost like if he didn't retire then ESPN would have been wrong about something. And since ESPN's never wrong about anything regarding Arizona athletics, you know, you figured Kendrea had to be retiring. He did retire after 36 seasons with Arizona. The Wildcats did fall in the Women's College World Series. They put up a fight, and they weren't the best team going into the turn. We talked to Ryan Kellipier last week. Like, Arizona wasn't the best team left. They were just a good team that won their home games when they were here last weekend. They were in Tucson, and they ran to some pretty good teams too, Alabama was great. They had the pitcher who was fantastic. And it's not the way you want to see someone like Mike Candrea get sent off, you know, because he's the GOAT, right? He's the best coach, arguably, in college softball history. But at the same time, it seems like he got the most he could out of this team. And obviously, after 36 seasons, eight championships, like you can't ask for anything more from the guy. No, no, not. I mean, th- 36 years with eight national championships. Uh, I mean, I, it, that that in itself, I mean, the, the, the 36 years, I, I think, obviously speaks to just the level of success that he had. I mean, you're not you're not with any one team, one school for 36 years if, if, if you are not uh, successful at some level. So, um, you know, obviously great, great career down in Tucson. Um to your point about ESPN reporting on it all all week, or you know, regionals into the super regionals, and then of course in the two games uh, in in OKC, it's kind of funny though because I it, it's one of those things that's like, well, I I get you know where there's smoke, there's fire, right? It's one of those things, but it's just like you don't really know until it happens. And then even his comments, like right after the Florida State loss, which I understand because that was actually a pretty gut-wrenching loss, mm-hmm. right? You lead for most of that game, and then you give up the three-run bomb, and you're down 3-2, then you fight back, and then and then there's a walk-off as far as uh, Florida State's concerned. So, I mean, it happened pretty quick, and then that eliminated him. But, you know, his comments basically right after that game were, 
kind of kind of a canned thing, right? You know, like at my age, you kind of evaluate things, you know, every, every off season. But right now, I'm not in any position, and then right now, I just feel bad for the kids. And then, boom! Like the next day, I think it was, well, they he came knew. out like retirement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he, he, he knew. obviously knew. Like there were a lot of his former players in the stands. Like there was, like you said, where there's smoke, there's fire. There was so much smoke, and not that he had to retire. Obviously, if he could have coached at Arizona as long as he wanted to, he's the goat. You know, that's not the type of guy like you felt good about. You never worried about softball because Mike Candrea was in charge. Like, yeah, they're going to be fine. Even if they're not a great team, even if they're having a down year, a down year for them is still very good. Top half of the Pac-12. But just there was a lot of smoke there. And yeah, his comments after the game, like you were saying, where he's like, I just feel like it's reminded me of all the Arizona one and duns in men's basketball who after they lose in the tournament, like, well, I haven't made a decision yet. I'm going to think about that. It's like, really? Like. We all know the truth right, here, right? You know, yeah. like, and you don't blame them because mm-hmm. like, right after a loss, you don't. Ex- those aren't the questions. Those aren't the answers you're going to get from people, from coaches, from players, because it's the heat of the moment. They're emotional. They're not going to say anything. They're not like they're probably not thinking about that. But you better believe that Mike Candrea had that decision made. Like he said um, on Tuesday, they did a press conference, and he had said that he was going to consider retiring after the 2020 season, but then the pandemic happened, and he decided to come back and. You know, it's you wish he could have gone out on top. You wish a lot of the seniors who came back this year could have gone out on top. But at the same time, like it's it's hard to win. <laughs> you know, like he had eight national championships in thirty six years. It's like that's a lot because we've seen and he's helped elevate college softball, women's softball to a level like the Pac twelve is a is a monster conference. Like it is so good in softball, and Candrea is a big part of why. Yeah, I think the point of of covid really messing things up for him i i think there's a lot of truth to that right because even if you look back at their record last year um as covid was canceling things uh 22 and 3 i mean that team was rolling and they <laughs> yeah. they were good and obviously a lot of those seniors came back because of the extra uh year of eligibility that was granted by the NCAA um and and please i mean they, they should not feel bad at all i mean they obviously didn't bring home the final trophy but they did get to that uh i guess you call it the final tournament right i mean the mm-hmm. w- women's w- college world series right so all of that definitely matters but um no he yeah 36 years. I mean, he has some crazy streaks in here and it's funny too, because so I was there, uh, from two, I was there for, well, so I graduated in 2000. Well, I'm blanking on this 2011. (laughs) So like, while I was there, you know, there was a little bit of a stretch where even 2003 to 2007. Now that, you know, that begins a little bit before I got there, but, um, you know, they were had a college world series appearance in 2003 Another one in 2005, 2004, they, they didn't, you know, they, they were just kind of an off year, if you want to call mm-hmm. it. Um, and then they went back to back in 06 and 07. And it's like, you know, it's funny because when I was there, it's like, it's kind of one of those things that maybe you just take for granted, right? Like if you have mm-hmm. somebody who's there and is just such a machine, just a well-oiled machine and just pumping out results like that, you kind of just, you don't really put it into perspective of like you were actually watching greatness. So, you know, I, I feel like maybe Lute Olson kind of felt that a little bit. I mean, yeah. we knew what we were watching, but it's like, you kind of take it for granted when it's not there. And I mean, he just had some, some crazy runs and, and, you know, I think, I, I guess, you know, kind of taking a step back from the sport itself and just, you know, life. And I don't want to get too down, too down a philosophical hole here, but, but it is, you know, it's interesting because like, he's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's, he, he'll be 66 in August. And so, I mean, in, in terms of, 
well, obviously we don't know his health, but you know, in, in terms of age, I mean, he's relatively young. So, I mean, in theory, he probably could have gone for a bit longer, but then you just think like, wow, just that grind for 36 years, you know, all those times he helped with the Olympics, like that a year round thing when you're talking about the Olympics and everything. And then it's year round anyway, because just recruiting and practice mm-hmm. and everything. So, um, you know, yeah, no hats off to him. Thank you so much, uh, coach Candrea, you know, it, and Adam, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. For some of our new listeners, and as a reminder for some of our longtime listeners, we did have Coach Candre on. Bryant did an interview with him, I think, three, four years ago. And and actually, I'm going to text Bryant and see if we can find that and then you know recirculate that on the uh, on, on the uh, on the Twitter handle. Um, I think that would be cool to repromote. Be a but good yeah, idea. no, great idea. Yeah, no, but uh, obviously, great success. Thank you so much, and and you know, I I wish you well in retirement. Yeah, and he won't be going away. He, I guess he's going to Italy for a little bit. He's going to help out with their national team or something, you know, over there, which might as well enjoy a little bit of time. But he's going to stay as an advisor to the University of Arizona athletics program. So he's, he's the type of guy that you you look back and, like you said, when it's happening, you're in the midst of it, you don't realize how lucky you are. Just the consistency, the high level that they, his teams are playing at, all the All-Americans, all the pros he's put out. I mean, just so many of the softball world's greats came through the University of Arizona, which is just fantastic. You know, Caitlin Lowe is one of those greats, and she's going to be taken over as the head coach. It's, I guess this is what it's almost like the new thing in college athletics. You know, you have the longtime coach, and they name their successor, someone who's an alum, who, like, Caitlin Lowe has never been the head coach. She was the associate head coach the last few years. But by all accounts, this is a good hire. Like, you're not, like, how, how could you, what's the best way to put this? How do you replace Mike Candrea? You know, how could you go out of the family for a hire like this, especially when you have someone who seems ready to take over? And I know, like with bas- with men's basketball, there was always differences too. Some people wanted the alums and all that, but I don't think the alums were as ready. And I say that knowing that Caitlin Lowe's never been a head coach, but at the same time, like she's been with this program. She is this program. She's one of the all-time greats. And like if Mike Candrea says that's the coach to take over this program, which obviously Mike Candrea has, like it's his program. It's his baby. You know, he doesn't want to see things fall apart with him gone. I trust this hire. I think Caitlin Lowe's going to do a good, do a good job. I 100% agree. I mean, there, there's probably no better fit, right? I mean, as far as uh, as far as credentials as a player, right? The four-time All-American, you know, won the silver medal on the Olympic team. I mean, she has been an assistant coach under Candrea for the last nine years. I mean, there. Th- this was obviously the succession plan, and they've been grooming it for you know for. I mean, at least the last few years, right? If not mm-hmm. the whole nine years, you know, there could have been a conversation we'll never know about um, that happened, you know, 10 years ago. Like, hey, Caitlin, um, let us know when you're ready. If you want to come on the coaching staff, there's always a spot for you. And hey, you know what? I would love to leave this for you someday. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and here we are. No, I, I'm with you 100%. It makes a ton of sense. And, and and even though Candrea won't be there physically, you know, in the dugout each game, you know, during the offseason and stuff, like you said, he's still – He'll still be around, you know, that he will still very much be available for communication, um, you know, for, for advice. Um, so even though he won't be there, he will be there. And uh, I, I think that Kalen Lowe, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. So so hopefully it's a very smooth transition. It should be. And I was kind of just thinking, too, like of all Arizona's hired a lot of new coaches in high profile sports over the last six months, seven months. Yeah. You know, football, men's basketball. They're going to have to hire a new soccer coach. Now, Caitlin Lowe as well. I feel like she's the one we probably worry about the least mm-hmm. <laughs> just because of who picked her, you know, because we know the succession plan wasn't in place. And also Arizona knows her. 
And she knows Arizona. She knows what it takes to win at this level. She won the back-to-back titles, 06, 07, you know, as one of the key players on the team. She's an all-time great for Arizona. And you know, it doesn't mean there's going to be a honeymoon period. You know, just because you're an alum and you're an all-time great, like, you still have to win. And there's a high standard that she has to live up to. You know, mm-hmm. but there's zero reason to think that she can't. So, you know, hats off, like I said, hats off to Mike Andrea for lifting not only just Arizona softball, but the game of softball, the sport of softball, to the heights that it's at because he's 36 seasons keeping Arizona at the level. And look at the Pac-12. Look at these schools. Like, they had to compete with Arizona. Like, they raised their level to compete with the GOAT. And yeah. that's great for the sport. You know, it's obviously you want Arizona to always win. But. You know, short of that, his impact will last long beyond what he did at Arizona. And that's really cool because Mike Candrea will always be associated with the University of Arizona and nowhere else. And and excellence. I mean, that that, that is very, very difficult to achieve what he did. And, and of course, that takes time. And, you know, but if you're that good and, and you just start piling up wins and just all those other achievements over 36 years, it piles up fast. How's this for a quick little tidbit on Caitlin Lowe as a player? Um, during her four years, she played center field, right? And so during the four years, earned All-American honors all four years, she did not commit one error, one defensive error, her entire playing career at U of A. How amazing is that? That's, and it shows not only just an athletic ability, but the mental focus. Sure. Because even when you're such a great athlete, sometimes you probably just relax a little bit on a play, you know, ground ball, you know, line driving to center field, you're coming in, you just kind of, you know, you don't really try as hard as you should to field it and bounces off your glove, goes under your glove, or mm-hmm. you have a throw that goes, you know, an errant throw. Like, she didn't have that. <laughs> so in terms of coaching skills, you have to feel like she's a type who can get the job done. But we'll see. You know, it's hard to follow a legend. And, you know, Arizona basketball, men's basketball, had a legend, Lute Olson, and Sean Miller took over after two years of interim coaches. So it wasn't direct succession, like, go from Lute to Miller, and that was that. Here you have a team that went to the World Series, who's been one of the best in the last three decades, four decades, and you're taking over right after him. Like, there's pressure. But being that she's a member of the family and an all-time great, like, there's, I don't know if there's not a honeymoon period necessarily, but I, I don't think people are going to be calling for her head anytime soon. You know? no. <laughs> no matter no what way. happens, I don't think that's going to be the case. But there is going to be pressure to win because like, it's Arizona softball. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think what's really funny is the point you just made about, um, you know, coming in and, and your predecessor being just a slam dunk Hall of Famer, right? So that kind of reminds me of the whole John Shire succeeding uh, Coach K. And, you know, that that's interesting timing, too. I mean, obviously, men's basketball commands so much more attention in the national spotlight than than, than softball. But I mean, you're still talking about two legends, right? And then in the expectations and just the succession planning, former players, et cetera. Um, I was watching, uh, p- pardon, pardon the interruption, and I think it was, um, I think it was Kornheiser that said, you know, it's it's always difficult um, to succeed a legend like that, and there's really only one. And he was really referring more to the college basketball, but this really crosses all the lines probably of, of, of any college athletics, right? And, and the point he made was uh, as the uh, immediate successor to a legend, that's very difficult to do. And rarely is there even remote success that would you know be compared. How do you to, live up to that standard? Like, how, how do you, you live do? up to it? And it's usually the guy after 
after that guy, right? And of course, guy just in general, right? But yeah, it's yeah. usually the, the coach, coach after the coach, after the coach yeah, yeah. right? That that does it. And um, and and that that kind of got me thinking. I'm you know sidetracked here, but but that that kind of got me thinking about wow. So Miller, you know, relating that to to U of A basketball. Okay, well there was loot, and obviously those two interim seasons with Kevin O'Neill and then. And Russ Pennell. Dana yeah. Ullman. yeah, Russ, Russ Pennell. Uh, and then Sean Miller came in. So I don't know how you really want to score those two interims, but there was no like definitive head coach. It right? wasn't back-to-back back between Lude yeah. and Miller, though. It, it, it was not, but if you think of it in terms <laughs> of like, you, you see yeah. what I'm saying? And then it's like, so then I'm getting a little excited thinking like, oh, man, it is supposed to be Tommy Lloyd. Oh, my God. But yeah, so anyway, <laughs> Caitlin Lowe is a slam dunk hire, and there should be a very seamless transition for the team. And that's the thing. When you're not trying to change anything, Mike Andrea could have coached as long as he wanted to. And if he's the guy who says Caitlin Lowe's the pick, like obviously he can't just choose the coach. It doesn't work that way. But if he says, I want this, I think this is the hire. And you're looking at obviously Caitlin Lowe has the credentials. Like if it's going to be anyone from that coaching tree, like she's been with the staff. So continuity is what you want. You don't want Arizona softball to, like we don't want it to change. <laughs> it doesn't have to change. Just sustain. If you can sustain this level of success, then you're fine. And she seems like the best fit to do that. But, Ronnie, we're going to take a break. We come back. Arizona is not done with the diamond as the baseball team marches on. Let's talk about after the break. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. And as we talked about before the break, Arizona's time on the diamond this year, this season, has been pretty good. You know, softball made a good run of the Women's College World Series before bowing out in a real tough game. Arizona baseball got to host their regional at High Corbett Field. They beat Grand Canyon. They, I mean, they, they did their thing. <laughs> like, it was interesting from them because they started off Grand Canyon. It was, they didn't get off with a great start in that game, actually. You know, they beat UC Santa Barbara a couple of times, and they showed all different ways. The offense, the pitching with, do we say Gary Irvin? Is that, is that how we have to call him, call him Gary now? I know it's Gary. I'm, I'm but, pretty sure it's just hashtag Gary. Yeah, it's just hashtag Gary. Like, that, that's his name now. But Arizona, which is like softball, was not one of the best teams in the bracket. They were the 11th seed. They were, I think, of one of the lowest seeds left in the tournament, if I remember right. Arizona baseball is number five overall seed in college baseball uh, playoffs here. So they're supposed to be really good. And in their first round, and that was when they were hosting, and they looked very good. And now they get to host again. Ole Miss is coming to town and for the Super Regionals. Ole Miss had a pretty... Pretty good slugfest on Monday to get to this point. So the hope, I guess, is that they burn some of their pitching a little bit if you're Arizona. But for the Wildcats, who they were supposed to be good this season, they were supposed to be good last season, and they got cut short, this kind of seems like the continuation of what Jay Johnson has been building. And we talked to Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Storm last week on this show just about this team. And the way he made it sounds like this, they don't have a lot of holes on this roster. You know, one through nine offensively, they can hit. And we saw that over the last weekend. Their 5-9 through nine hitters did a lot of the damage. And it makes you look at this team and say, all right, they can definitely do this thing. They took care of business. Um, so for those who didn't necessarily follow the Tucson Regional, right? So U of A hosted, obviously. Then the two seed was uh, Oklahoma State. Who and they were not Pretty good. rough go of it. <laughs> no, struggled. no, they were not. I, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we can get to that in a sec. And then the three seed was UC Santa Barbara, then Grand Canyon. So Grand Canyon... Uh, was, you know, every regional, there has to be one team who does not win a game. Unfortunately, Grand Canyon did not, but that was still a very successful season um, for the Lopes. UC Santa Barbara, um, 
embarrassed Oklahoma State twice. Jeez, um, they did. Not even. I, I think that if I'm remembering correctly, they outscored them 27 to seven. So over the, over the two games. So not only not only were the bats working for them, uh, Oklahoma State's bats were actually not supposed to be that bad coming in. Obviously, I did not really follow them. Uh, Oklahoma they were State one of the hotter teams the coming season. into the tournament, and yeah, but. Yeah. They, they they had some they had some hot sticks and they did not uh, UC Santa Barbara took care of business. Now I know it, it, I'm pretty sure UC Santa Barbara had like the one stud pitcher and he went in game one that that gave Oklahoma State uh, some issues. Um, but I mean still they had they had another crack at them Oklahoma State did and they couldn't get it done. But so so UC Santa Barbara I mean they showed that they could very much hit the ball um going into the postseason you know obviously for u of a the bats have been something that you know uh, that uh jay johnson and his squad can can hang their hats on oh they can always hit yeah the the pitching was i guess kind of the wild card right like they weren't necessarily too sure what the pitching was but obviously if you're comparing it to just how well you are as a hitting team that's probably a little unfair right so because the pitching can't be that 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 good right and so uh, going into the weekend, it was a little unclear, like you said. Uh, you know, kind of shaky start with Grand Canyon. I'm pretty sure they jumped up four nothing, um, mm-hmm. and then of course the bats got going, and then the bullpen kind of stabilized things, and the final score being 12-6. Moving on then to UC Santa Barbara, they played them for the next two games. And Gary combined, yeah, Gary Gary went the distance on that Saturday night game, uh, pitching a a, a shutout uh, four nothing, and then jumping into Sunday. Uh, beat them 5-2. So it was a very good showing overall. Gives you a lot to be excited about. Um, They're obviously going to the Super Regional. That's one step closer to Omaha. Um, The ultimate goal is obviously to get to Omaha and obviously even even to that final matchup. But um, you got to feel good, right? I mean, 40-15 and outright Pac-12 champions. Um, They took care of business. They, They looked very solid in the Tucson Regional. Yeah, and what's fun about this matchup here, reading, of course, you can find a lot of this information on azdesertstorm.com. Brian Peterson does a great job covering them, but Ole Miss comes in, and their pitching staff is very good. You know, they average nearly 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings, and they struck out 51 batters in their four regional games. So you have Ole Miss's pitching versus Arizona's offense. You know, that that's something. I Obviously, usually, I say usually, good pitching will beat good hitting. This is college baseball. It may not be that way. You know, we'll see. And Arizona's strength absolutely is their offense. But their pitching, when they can get the performances they got, especially the last two games in their first uh, three, they can win a lot of games. Like, this is a tough team to beat. And you know with those bats, they're going to be a tough out no matter what. Now they're at home again, which is an advantage. You know, Brad and I talked about it too. Like, they know the ballpark. They, they're kind of built for that ballpark. They know the angles. They know the outfield. High corporate's not the same as any other ballpark. So Arizona should be the favorite in this. But that doesn't mean they're going to win, and that's media sports. So what I look at, though, is Arizona baseball just as a whole. Obviously, when you think of Arizona sports as, you know, you think basketball, now men's and women's, you think softball, you think football and how bad things have been. Baseball's kind of been there for a while, but they're not really thought of, I don't think, in the same level. Jay Johnson has them at that point. You know, he took over in 2016, and they've been pretty good. They made it to the championship game they were a base it away from probably winning the national championship in the third game of the college world's their last you know the last series against coastal carolina but they're there and i don't know if they lose this weekend if that's their first games on friday if they lose if that's considered like a oh you shouldn't lose 
But I think there's pressure on this team to get the job done in this series because they were supposed to be really good last year. COVID knocked out the season for everybody. They were really good this year. They won the Pac-12, like you mentioned. And they're hosting these games in their regionals. Like, they should get to the College World Series. They should. I think that's fair. And, and, and I think another thing, too, which, you know, historically, you know, pitching Trump's hitting, you know, when you see those matchups in, in professional. And like you said, it's college, right? So we are still dealing with kids and, you know, amateurs. But um, I think another thing that bodes very well is the home field advantage, right? And I know that this is a point that's been beaten to death in any publication you read. Um, but, you know, High Corbett's a very interesting place to play. It's not Absolutely. it's not at all a, a, a typical college field, right? Um, so it's, it, it, it's an interesting place to play. Ole Miss will be playing there for the first time. The weather is something else to keep in mind here because in Oxford, so I'm pretty sure that, you know, the, 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 the Oxford regional got spilled in, into the early part of the week or got wrapped up yesterday, like you said, recording this on Tuesday, you know, spilled into yesterday because of some weather delays and just, you know, random weather. Um, muggy, yes, but it was never really like, like hot, hot, like, like gross hot, like how it can be during like football season. You know, obviously, you know, hot is hot, but there's a difference between like 90 and 90% humidity versus like 120. Yeah. Tucson um, has the dry heat still. Tucson's got the dry stuff and it's <laughs> going to be, it's going this weekend. Uh, it is forecasted to be uh, 105 on Friday, 108 on Saturday. Ooh. Um, it's, 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 it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. That is, that is rough. <laughs> glad I don't have to play baseball in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's going to be hot. Watch on TV instead. That'll be, that'll be nice. You yeah. Know? And then if it goes to Sunday, it's one eleven. it's looking like, so yeah, it, it, it can get ugly there. Obviously, you know, they play, uh, when you get closer to dusk there, but, um, but still, yeah, it, it, it's going to be warm. So they got that going for them, too. And, you know, obviously that crowd was tremendous. And you have to imagine that there'll be a little bit of an uptick as far as um, for tickets sold for those, right? So it's going to probably be a little bit of a rowdier environment as well. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, they have their work cut out for them. Obviously, Ole Miss is no slouch. They wouldn't be in the Super Regional. Um, but uh, you got to feel good. You got to feel good about what the team has accomplished this far. And how they came out, you know, with, with those three wins, did not lose one, knock on wood, and took care of business in, in, in the regional. Yeah, what I like, too, is when you're a favorite, when Arizona has a favorite, they're expected to be good, and they are. You know, we've seen different programs underachieve. We've seen teams that were supposed to be good in different sports that were like, okay, this would be a good team this season. And then they aren't that. They aren't the level that we were expecting. They aren't the level that we were hoping they would be. Baseball was supposed to be good, and they were good. You know, Jay Johnson has this program rolling right now, and that's kind of what I'm getting at here where even last year they would have been really good. They lost some guys to the draft. Austin Wells, the catcher, was taken by the Yankees. You know, they had some talent that they lost, and they also had some talent they were able to bring in because of COVID because guys couldn't get drafted. The MLB draft was a little bit different this last year, as Brian told us last week. But what I like is just Jay Johnson, the time that he's been at Arizona, he's kept the program because they won, they won the, what, the championship in 2012, I think, Andy Lopez, the last that's one. That's right. They were back in there in 2016, and they're a favorite to get back again in 2021. They probably would have been in 2020. And I think if I remember right, we could argue that they were one of the hottest teams in baseball in 2019, and they got left out. But Mm -hmm. when you juxtapose that with, say, our friends up north, you know, the Arizona State Seminoles have fired their baseball coach, Tracy Smith. And I always remember him from a football game a while back for U of A 
when he was tweeting about Casey Skyron missing kicks and all excited about that. So I'm not one to celebrate coaches losing their jobs. It's just not my style. This one I'm not going to be upset about. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I kind of like that he was ASU's coach. I don't think he was that good for them. But, you know, not going to feel too bad for him when he's going on Twitter and making, you know, talking crap to kids. But yeah, I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, he did. I think it was a, it was a USC game where Arizona – there was like one of their right. few losses that season, the, the year they won the South, and they were lining up for a field goal. I don't remember if it was to tie it or to I win it. I think it was it. to win. Yeah, and we were losing 27 to 28, right 28 just, 26 or something. Yeah. Like he tweeted, just miss it. And then after he missed it, he tweeted a thumbs up emoji. And I'm so just that like, was probably his first year, huh? Yeah, and all the ASU fans like, yeah, we love a coach who's all about it. So I'm thinking, like, really? You're the head coach of a completely different sport. That's a college kid. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I, that, that always bothered me. Like, I've never met Tracy Smith, and it's a weird thing to hold for, what, now, seven years about, but. <laughs> like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, like, screw Tracy that Smith guy. Tracy Smith may have won the battle, but Casey Skyron won the war, it appears. And, um, and, and by the way, I, and I love, love, love pointing this out, self-proclaimed football school, that, that team up north, you know, Tempe, um, that year that you're referencing, Adam, was the year we won the Pac-12 South. Uh, we have more recently won the Pac-12 South uh, baseball, you know, self-proclaimed baseball school. Like a little, a little bit more warranted, I think, as far as baseball <laughs> is concerned. But still, there's there's plenty of self-proclamations there. We've won, we've won it all more recently than them. Have much more success. I love all that. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Screw that guy. That's great. Then I'm glad he <laughs> lost. Or I'm glad I'm glad he got fired. Good. <laughs> But it just goes to show because I, I remember I was watching or I heard the clips from Ray Anderson's press conference about like the level that they expect ASU baseball to be. And sure, like if you look back overall, ASU baseball is one of the better programs. And they were – I talked to some ASU people this over the last few days. Like I guess they lost some of their starting pitchers to injury early in the season. And they didn't make the tournament. They lost all their games. Like they, well, they, they won one game against like Fairfield. They came back and then they lost the next two. So they didn't make it out of their regional. And sure, like your expectations are better than that. You need to make a change. But Jay Johnson, since he got hired in 2016, has been every bit as good as I think anyone could have hoped for. You know, Arizona baseball has been good. It's a it's a good program. It's not necessarily elite, but it's good. Like I said, they they won a championship in 2012 with Andy Lopez. I have the shirt in my closet to prove it. <laughs> you know, like that that happened. But to see where they're at right now, especially if they got Nate Yeski to be the pitching coach a couple of years ago, like the program's in really good shape. And... You know, I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, there were rumors of, like, other schools trying to poach Jay Johnson. I hope that doesn't happen because he's – you can't expect every coach to be Mike Candre. You can't expect every coach to be Lute Olson. But when you have one of those coaches who can be that guy or that woman, like Adia Barnes' case, I think, for women's mm-hmm. basketball, you really hope they stick around for the long term because you know they could keep the teams, the programs, at such a high level where if you're Arizona baseball, they may not win the championship this season, but they're in the conversation. And the more you're in the conversation, the more likely you are to win at some point, you know, and just to see the way he's made good on this team's potential. And I know it's not just him. There's obviously a lot of good players on this team, but they're supposed to be good. They are good. They were really good last weekend with their pitching, with their offense, timely hitting. They made plays. They made contact. They drove runs in. Like, this is a really good baseball team that was supposed to be a really good baseball team. Like, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It lived up to it. And it's hard to live up to expectations like that, you know, because honestly, even going back to last year and and, and forgive me, I did not listen to Brian's interview 
Um, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I did, but but I do know that that change to the to the uh, MLB draft last year, and I'm pretty sure it only went five innings mm-hmm. or, or five, five innings, five rounds, um, rather than like the 127 that it normally does. You said that got them a few more players that probably would have been drafted, and yeah. Right. So I know that that obviously made a difference and as it did for a lot of different programs too. Right. So, I mean, that's somewhat of a level playing field, I think. So that's good, but obviously, you know, that helped Jay Johnson quite a bit and he played that into a uh, you know, outright championship in the conference, a 40 win season and a, a, a hosting job now for the, uh, for the super regional, you know, last year, I, I think probably the knock though to Jay Johnson, and this is just for, you know, kind of from afar, really, you know, following this over the years. So 2016, you know, c- comes out guns a blazing, right? I mean, Coastal Carolina, we had that, we had that yeah. championship wrapped up and it slipped away. I'm so it doesn't blow but, the call at home. It's a different third game. You know, it, was it's safe. in the past. It's in the past. So, you know, that yeah. So they had a very, very strong 2016 year. And then after that, they just kind of just average you know and and i think that a lot of the criticism was well hey actually 2016 you know kind of like you know the rich rod stuff in hindsight too like hey there were a lot of holdover you know uh mike stoops recruits on that team and it was just the perfect storm it's like you know andy lopez really put constructed that team and and so now it's nice that this is very much his team this is very much his doing you know and it is an outstanding team it's an outstanding season that he's put together it's very exciting that's a good point. Yeah, this is a Jay Johnson team. He's proven that he can build a roster and he can coach that roster. It's not just him, of course, but he can mm-hmm. build a program, and that's where they're at right now. So hopefully they have a few more games left in them. That It's a best of three this week against Ole Miss. It's going to be at High Corporate Field in Tucson. If you're listening to us and you're in Tucson and you haven't bought tickets, buy tickets, go. You know, they're, they're a good team, and hopefully there's more games after this one. But what else is going on in Arizona sports? Let's see. There's... Maybe some uniform stuff. There is a uh, performer men's basketball players just dominating in the playoffs. Like these are all good things. Let's talk about it after the break. Welcome back. Wildcat radio 2.0. Adam green, Ronnie Stoffel here. And I don't know, Ronnie, if you've been seeing on the Twitter machine, but Arizona last weekend had a bunch of uh, prospective recruits on campus for some official visits. And that means you get all the photos and all the, Hey, you know, it was an honor to be here. Love meeting the coaches, yada, yada, and the pictures of them and U of A gear. And one thing that's caught my eye is all the gear they've been wearing has been the old school, like Desert Storm era style uniforms that Arizona has worn before recently. And I look at this and I'm like, wow, those uniforms just look so, so good. And like, why is Arizona putting all these prospective recruits in these uniforms? Like, are they hinting at something? Because if they go to these uniforms, that's fantastic. And if they don't, I'm going to be really upset now because I feel like there's this carrot they're dangling. I know I'm not alone. You know, I know I'm not alone, but, oh, that'd be so much better. Uh, there's a real chance because, I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed, it, it's been pretty subtle, but uh, but 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 Fish is very much embraced, um, you know, the pastime, the Dick Tomey days. So it hasn't been that uh, subtle. The former players. <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's... Um, I would not be surprised if there is a lot of this sprinkled in throughout the season. And, and I know how dumb it is to be all about uniforms. Like, but we're all, a lot of us are those people. And I'm not one who believes, like, you look good, you play good, because Arizona looked good, and they lost to Oregon State a few years ago in their homecoming game. So just because yeah, you look good doesn't mean you're going to play good. 
But it's certainly an interesting look because, like you said, too, with Jed Fish's embrace of the past, like the Desert Storm era was the most iconic Arizona football era. You know, they won a Pac-12 South with Rich Rod, but that's not really – it was one season. Desert Storm is Desert Storm, and the uniforms are clean. And if you can kind of bring that back – and I don't know if players care if they like that or not. Some players always say, oh, I, I love the uniforms of the school. Like, really, is that why you committed to Oregon? Because the uniforms? Come on. Like, it I have a hard been. time with that. But maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know, who am I to say? But just, I love that Arizona is putting that in kind of like their – like, they're putting the recruits in that. Like, that's what they want these kids taking their pictures in is those uniforms. You know, with the stripes on the helmet and the shoulder, like, just clean. And I can't imagine them doing all that without having those uniforms be a big part of what they're doing. Just wouldn't make any sense. You know, I don't know their uniform. I don't know their rotation, if they're due or how this works with Nike. But it does seem like there's, if you want to go with the smoke, there's fire type of thing. Like, they're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of imaging. Most of their Twitter images, when they do Arizona football for, like, a schedule graphic or whatever, is in those style uniforms. Like, they're they're really teasing us here on this one. And, like, I think Jed Fish would win over everyone if those were the new uniforms, like, permanently. Yeah, I think um, – I do think that the uniforms matter. Now, obviously, facilities and just, every, like, brand recognition, I mean, that matters oh, facilities, a lot probably yeah, more. I mean, yeah, sure, but, facilities. But, you know. but, but, but if you use Oregon as the example and, – and I don't think this is quite comparable to, 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 to what Oregon did early on in those Chip Kelly days. Um, but, you know, they were on the cutting edge of just those really funky uniforms – and they played so well, right? Chip Kelly lost like five games in what, like four years or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they were just doing great things up there. And with that combination of these funky things that, you know, the older generations look at and be like, you know, what the hell are they wearing? Whereas like the younger kids are like, holy cow, like that looks great. Um, you know, to this piece here, right? Like we aren't necessarily on the cutting edge of doing anything too funky, it seems. I, I, I think probably the funkiest um outlier for any of these combinations would be that like christmas bulb christmas tree bulb Ugh. helmet you know I, I didn't hate it though i didn't hate it i just as soon as somebody pointed out that said looks like a christmas tree bulb i was like ah you could right. not think of that anymore yeah yeah i don't want that one anymore but you know other than that i mean honestly my favorite uh just just the classic uh, Navy lids, Navy shirts, white pants. I absolutely love that. You can't ever go wrong with that. And in fact, actually, actually, if you want to do a little bit of the inverse, there would be keep the Navy lids, but then do white shirt and then Navy pants. Absolutely love mm. that on the road. Um, yeah, so I, I it, it'll be interesting because obviously there's a bit of nostalgia tied in for you know a, a, a lot of a lot of the alumni base with with some of those. Uh, older uniforms, and I very much expect Jed Fish to bring some of those back. Well, so the whole, you know, the repertoire will be interesting to see. That's the best part about it. They go back to these old school uniforms is that they please the old people like us. We're like, mm -hmm. yeah, we like that. And they look better than the current uniforms. So I imagine those fellow kids these days would also enjoy them. I mean, they're getting all the pictures in them, right? That that It's something. And if you're Jed Fish, and I guess one thing, if we want to try to stretch this and try to make more of it than it probably really is, is that Jed Fish has been very social media savvy. You know, the Arizona brand that they're trying to project is whatever it is he wants to project. Nothing's by accident. So if they're having these kids wear these uniforms for their pictures, for their recruiting visits, like, there's a reason for it. You know, and it's not because they're not going to wear them in 2021. Like, that would seem silly. So mm -hmm. we'll see. You know, we'll see. But, Ronnie, there's someone who's not wearing an Arizona uniform anymore but is still doing the Wildcat program proud. DeAndre Ayton who was 
drafted number one overall by the Suns a few years ago. Had a little bit of an up and down first few seasons, and he's been great in the playoffs for the Suns. And I will maintain the thing I have said for a while now. If he was on any other team, he's getting more than 12 shots a game. He's averaging 25 and 12. But because he cares so much about winning, he settles into the role he has now. He sets screens. He rebounds. He plays great defense. And if he scores 20 points, he scores 20 points. If he scores 12 points, he doesn't care. You know, he just wants to win. But DeAndre Ayton, Arizona Wildcat, former number one overall pick, has just been crushing it for the Phoenix Suns. I feel so vindicated, too, because, you you, you know, because it was like it was even like there was so much buzz even of of Dantage leading up to that draft, like even weeks ahead of time, not even like draft night. Like there was just like there was a lot of hype starting to build that Luka Dantage is probably going to be the best pick from that draft. He is really good, though. Oh, he he's <laughs> he's great. I mean, he no. I, I'm I'm not saying that we made the right move. All I'm saying is that uh, it is that he you know after the 25 game suspension, you know he had a strong rookie season, right? I mean, there you know um, just 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 after the weird couple first years that he's had in the league, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, it's nice to see it all kind of clicking now when it matters most right especially you know obviously anthony davis didn't play uh the entire series um but you know game one that that he played in uh uh deandre ayton did fantastic guarding him right i mean anthony davis still did okay um but you know and then even into game two right i mean there was still he has looked so good throughout the playoffs and then of course last night against Jokic, uh who was just this afternoon named named league MVP. Um, he basically neutralized him, right? I mean, that, that is amazing. And Oh, by the way, in the first half, he only was called for one foul. I mean, his defense is just tremendous. And that's actually probably the biggest thing that has been so much fun to watch throughout, you know, his evolution as a professional is that, you know, (laughs) obviously that, that 2018 team, um, was not known for its defense, right? Um, and, you know, but, but offensively they were fantastic, but defensively not so much. And so, you know, you knew that that was probably a weak point of his that, you know, taking that into the league. All right. How's that going to look? And of course he was just on such awful teams for those first couple of years. And then mm-hmm. insert Chris Paul, insert Jay Crowder. I um, mean, those two guys just really toughened him up and it's just, you know, it's really taken him to another level. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah. He's got five double doubles in seven games in this postseason. The two games he doesn't have a double double. He took a combined seven shots and they were Suns wins, you know, blowout wins. They didn't need him. He just plays defense, rebounds a little bit and that's fine. What I wonder watching him is like, obviously when you see Arizona guys in the NBA, you're like, that's right. That helps the program. And for a while, it was like, was the loot guys. And now the guys who are in there are like the Sean Miller guys. And I wonder, does DeAndre Ayton being, obviously he's an Arizona Wildcat, and Arizona Wildcats fans, we know him. We watch like, yeah, bear down. You know, even like, it's not the game against Denver, the game one. Aaron Gordon had a good game. Like, yeah, that's my guy too. You know, love Aaron Gordon. And Zeke Naji came in and made a three in garbage. I'm like, yeah, Zeke. You know, but I wonder if these things help Arizona still, especially now that Sean Miller is not the coach. You know, because Sean Miller did not recruit, or like Tommy Lloyd did not recruit DeAndre Ayton. He had nothing to do with DeAndre Ayton. He had nothing to do with Zeke Nadia. He had nothing to do with any of the pros who are Wildcats in the NBA. So I wonder, is the brand big enough to where it doesn't matter who the coach was, if you're an Arizona Wildcat, that helps the program. Like DeAndre Ayton just going ham in the NBA playoffs. You know, DeAndre Ayton from the University of Arizona, does that still benefit the program even if Sean Miller is no longer the coach? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because it's, it's, it's the brand itself, right? I mean, that's really what you're selling this whole thing on. Um, there, there is just, I mean, from loot, what was his first year? 83. And obviously like 83, 84, those first couple of years weren't great. Um, but really since, you know, since Sean Elliott showed up and really you know, took off, there has only been what, like a three year period where like, we've kind of haven't really been too competitive, but I mean, we've still been like, you know, competitive on the national stage. And why is that? It's because of the brand of Arizona, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, is, is DeAndre Ayton's jersey retired? I'm pretty sure he and Jared Bayless had it retired on the same night, didn't they recently? No, they, I don't think they retired Ayton's jersey, no. Not yet? Okay. Um, well, never mind then, they, but it I think be... he fits the qualifications, right? It was like All-Americans and like some, there's some qualifications they have. Even if you didn't graduate, you can still get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, regardless, he's going to be um, – obviously, he'll be in the ring of honor at some point. Or he's one of the so best when, players who ever come through the program. We know that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, no, he, he's easily, I, I think, the best center, right? I mean, I, I don't think you can dispute that he's the best center. Um, uh, so, Kirk Walters no. may have something to say about that. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, I mean, there, everything's up for discussion. In my mind, it's <laughs> – you know, yeah, there, there's no, – he's – like, he – um, back, back to the point though. Uh, yes, he will forever be associated. And I know it's kind of tough too, because even like the one and done guys and he's very right. much a one and done guy. Um, it's like, yeah, it's hard for the fan base to really build that affinity for him. But I feel like it really helped his cause that he stayed in the state of Arizona. Yeah. Um, because there's so many Arizona fans right in the Valley that it's easy to just continue and build that affinity. Whereas like, Larry Markkinen and, and not really comparing, you know, DeAndre Ayton to Larry Markkinen because Larry, you know, DeAndre Ayton is just, I, I think, leaps and bounds ahead of uh, of Larry Markkinen. I know he's had some injury issues, but even if Larry Markkinen, Larry Markkinen, all of a sudden, you know, takes off and becomes like a multi-year consecutively all-star or something, I, I will always remember him as, as you know, like yeah, yeah, the U of A guy, and you know, Lonzo Trier <laughs> really screwed us in the Sweet 16 against Xavier, and Lowry should have shot the ball in the last 11 minutes. Like I'll remember that, um, but it's like, is he real? You know, like, and, and I don't even know if that has a lot to do with Sean Miller or not. It's just I think it's more of like how long they actually played at the school, right? Yeah, that's fair because the brand is the brand. You know, mm -hmm. if you're an Arizona Wildcat, you're an Arizona Wildcat, and obviously, like. Arizona fans are not being like, well, DeAndre only played one year, so we don't claim him. Of course. And when he's good, Arizona's of course going to claim him. I just kind of wonder because part of the brand is sending guys to the NBA. You know, Sean Miller did that. And the more guys, and there haven't been too many Sean Miller guys who've had great success in the NBA. Like, Markin has been pretty good for the Bulls outside of injury issues. Aaron Gordon's been fine, you mm -hmm. know. Other than that, like, Stanley Johnson's been a bust. Rondé hasn't done much. Trier didn't even get drafted. You know, so, like, I wonder, Derek Williams was the number two overall pick, and he ended up in overseas. So, to have guys who do well is huge. And when they're only, like, Solomon Hills had a nice career for a guy who was a four-year player at Arizona. Don't forget TJ. And TJ, of course, who went undrafted and has been one of the best players to come out of Arizona under Sean Miller in the NBA. But that's what I wonder, because the brand is built on, you come to Arizona, Arizona's going to get you to the NBA. And the hope is that not only will they get you to the NBA, but you'll be a successful NBA player. And when they're one and done, it's like, how much can you really put on the coach? I read an article, Doug Haller wrote it for the athletic about, he talked with Sean Miller about Deandre. Aiden. he's like, well, this is the first time Aiden's had the same coach multiple years in a row. Like, sure. That's a big part of this. And sure. Like Sean Miller had an impact on Deandre and you can't take anything away from him, but you know, did Arizona really do that much for Aiden? Who knows? But it also doesn't matter in the conversation. Deandre Aiden is still an Arizona wildcat. He was the number one pick as an Arizona wildcat just for the brand purposes 
you know, even if it's not Sean Miller, does Tommy Lloyd benefit from that? Does Tommy Lloyd benefit from DeAndre Ayton? Does he benefit from Aaron Gordon? And I can understand if you think so, because it's, yeah, it's still Arizona. Facilities are there. The fan base is there. Everything is there. Because is Arizona bigger than the coach, I guess, is what it comes down to. And if you believe that, and there's no reason that you shouldn't, then, yeah, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Arizona's Arizona. But I you know, think that that's right. Yeah. I, I think that's right. I, I, I think that Arizona at this point, because Lute put us in position to where, you know, whoever succeeds him, that that brand is so established that, yes, Arizona, the brand is bigger than the coach. And that's why I think that, you know, for Tommy Lloyd, it's going to be pretty good for him to just kind of ride that wave, right? I mean, obviously, he's a fantastic recruiter. I don't think that anybody could really argue against that. But, um, you know, I, I think that now riding the wave of the Arizona brand, who, you know, Aaron Torres, you know, he, he's kind of a, you know, at one point was a little bit of an underground, you know, sports voice, you know, in, in, the, in the South. He's a big Kentucky guy. Um, but you know, he, he's, he's picked up more recently and he stands by that Arizona is the best program on the West coast, hands down, which is interesting that he even still makes that, you know, uh, makes that statement today and truly believes that. But, and that is 100% just, just the brand itself that, that that's his whole argument. Um, I thought of you the other day, actually, Adam, cause remember we used to really bang on Deandre Ayton for stepping out, uh, and shooting threes, shooting threes. Yeah. And his, his one year. At Arizona, where you're going to waste our shots on threes, get down there and bang and throw <laughs> the ball down as hard as you possibly can. Um, have you noticed that anytime they show shot charts, I, I don't think it's coincidence that since Chris Paul has showed up, that DeAndre Hayton is much more efficient with his shot selection. Makes me think that Chris Paul has that same tolerance level to that nonsense as I do, and he's actually forcing him now to stay down low and do what he's supposed to do. Or oh, it makes me wonder if DeAndre Hayton had stayed four years at Arizona, what he could have been as a senior. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> that like wouldn't clearly, have even been fair. Clearly that he would... made a mistake in coming out after his freshman year to become the number one pick in the draft. But Oh, that, my goodness. Yeah. Certainly, DeAndre, he's still going. Aaron Gordon is still going. They're going against each other. You know, uh, no matter who they played for, obviously, if they're an Arizona Wildcat, you root for them in the NBA. You know, because it is good for the brand, whether it's, whether it's Sean Miller players or Lute Olsen players or Russ Pennell players or Kevin O'Neill players, or soon Tommy Lloyd players. Like, you want them to do well because they are repping the University of Arizona. Ronnie, I, I, I think you've convinced me. Like, the brand is bigger than the coach. And mm-hmm. if you're Arizona, you're Arizona. It doesn't matter who's leading the program at that time. So, good luck and to we're the so Andre. fortunate. We're, we're so fortunate to be in that position, too, because there's probably – I mean, there's got to be, like, less than 20 college basketball schools where you can say the brand is, is bigger and it's probably yeah. even like less than 15, honestly. Hey, r- real quick, and I know we're going to wrap this up here. Um, so retired number versus Arizona's ring of honor, right? And, and so this is yeah. real quick research. This is, and by the way, it's Wikipedia, so I, I don't even know how credible you want to call it's this. It's on but the internet. It must be true. It's, it's absolutely, yeah. Uh, re- uh, retired numbers, there are two, four, six, seven. So Mike Bibby, Jason Gardner, uh, Steve Kerr, Sean Elliott, Jason Terry, Miles Simon. So there are only, wait, did I count that right? There's six, two, four, six. There's six retired numbers. However, when you get over to the ring of honor, there's 29. And there is, the players must meet at least one of the following six criteria. Uh, First team All-American recognition by one or more major uh, national organizations or media. 
um, major national player of distinction, i.e. the Wooden Award or other honor of significance. Number three, Pac-12 Player of the Year or Pac-12 Freshman of the Year recognition. Four, Arizona career leader in three or more major positive career categories at the conclusion of his collegiate career um, and and must hold the career record for a minimum of five years. That's an interesting caveat at the end of that because I would even say if you if you finish with some crazy stat, three or more major categories, which major categories. So obviously what like, well, yeah, obviously. Like points, we'll, we'll, anything other than like turnovers probably. Yeah, I mean, I would even think like so. Probably nothing even like advanced analytics, right? So I mean, so I wonder. So three point shooting would maybe be in that, huh? With that, well, we can well, look at that. Not for DeAndre Ayton, but yeah. Well, just me in general. Yeah, no, it, you're <laughs> darn right. It's not DeAndre Ayton. And so, uh, number five, ten or more years of experience in the NBA or selection as an All Star or an All Pro. That's an interesting one. Or Olympic medalist. So not even gold medals, just medalist. So with that. Um, Zeke Naji is actually on this. So there could be a trivia question out there and maybe we'll, we'll have you guys post this later in the week. Um, we play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So maybe on like Friday or Sunday, you guys can throw this to the handle and say how many, um, Arizona ring of honor Is that the correct honor we'll are on these two rosters in this game? And without looking it up, and I bet you anything, the obvious, the, a lot of people are going to say well, Aaron they, Gordon and is DeAndre. Is automatic Ayton, induction in the Ring of Honor if they have if they meet those qualifications? Like, there's no ceremony. Any like, one of them. Like you default in, like you reach one of those. Like, hey, you're in the Ring of Honor now. Is that how that works? I I think so because what's funny about that, and this is why I was thinking that Bayless and Aiton were inducted to the Ring of Honor in the same night because Bayless had just wrapped up his tenth year of NBA experience, which makes sense because, I mean, he didn't get any of the other ones. I mean, he obviously, he had a very good single year, very good single year at U of A, but he was not the Pac-12 freshman of the year. He didn't, you know, he wasn't the the conference player of the year. Um, He was not first team all America. So he's not an Olympic medalist. So that actually makes sense why he was inducted. Um, Zeke Zeke Naji is the funny one though, but, uh, but as far as criteria, yeah, DeAndre Ayton checked two boxes at least on this, right? Because he was first team All America, and he well, and then number three, he was Pac-12 Player of the Year and Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, if if memory serves. He's only like one of three players to have done that. Kevin Love being one, and then I think it was somebody else that that was that graphic was being shown a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like recently, but um, yeah. So there you go, listeners. There you go. So there's only six retired numbers, but there are 29 uh, honorees in the ring. Different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But such is the life when you're Arizona basketball. You have a lot of good players come through that program. But, Ronnie, I think mm-hmm. that's going to do it for this week's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Ended it on a good note. I mean, yeah. Go Suns. Keep it up. There you go. We, we can we can work with that, especially with DeAndre Ayton leading the way. It's nice to see him getting the accolades that we all know he deserves. But, I mean, we appreciate you listening this week. I think Brett will be back next week. I don't know. Like, Nothing, nothing is certain. It's, this is life. We're all day-to-day, as it is. But <laughs> yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. And, of course, if you find us on iTunes, Spotify, where you get those podcasts, make sure you subscribe. If you want to leave a review, we'd appreciate it, especially if it's a positive one. Uh, we'll see what's going on with Arizona Athletics over the next week. Apparently, again, there's never a dull moment for Arizona Athletics. There's always something, it seems like. Hopefully, we've got more positive things coming. But whatever it is, we'll talk about it next week. And until then, remember to bear down.